Welcome to the Truth Simply Put, the teaching broadcast vehicle of the Basilea Commission. On today's teaching by Alexander Victor, God's Word rightly divided in the light of Christ, who is the central theme of the entire scriptures, will come with simplicity, precision, clarity, and power to instruct, admonish, edify, and build you up into the full measure of the stature of Christ. Now, let's dive straight in. What purpose does the law serve? How did he fulfill it? So we get into how did he fulfill it means that we looked at Plerosai, Pleroi to fulfill. 5.17 of Matthew, Matthew 5.17. I said that when we talk about all of this, people then come and play that Matthew 5.17 card and say, you know, I did not come to. I'm born in the law. But to fulfill it. How did he fulfill it? And before I start to even go into that, let me ask a question as a kind of a counter question. How did this man, Christ Jesus, fulfill the law? To start to answer that, we have to consider the question how did the first man, Adam, break it? Because if he took disobedience to break the commandment of God, he would have to take obedience to fulfill it. And if it was many people, I like this. If many people broke the word of God in the beginning, then it takes many people. Oh, I said I, said I like it. I like it. I like it. Was it people that fell? So why are we looking for people? To fulfill what is not people that broke. Let's reason. First man. The first Adam. So who will need to fulfill the law? People? One man. I mean, it's honestly pretty straightforward. If we're going to be honest with ourselves. And Asentimental. If we're going to be asentimental, if we're going to be non-sentimental, if we're going to be, uh, what's another word I'm looking for? Unbiased. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Why the English people? You know, if I'm going to be what? Yeah, logical is, is good, but not quite logical. If we're, I'm, I'm talking about if we're going to put away our emotions. What? Objective. Oh, see English. You know? What? Impartial. There you go. If we're going to be non, 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 non sensual, if we're going to be, if we're going to be unbiased, if we're going to be impartial, if we're going to be objective, if we're going to be unsentimental, reasonable, yeah, 
But if we're honestly going to put, you know how Nigerians say, sentiments aside. Sentiments aside. If we're, going to, if we're going to really sentiment aside, it's pretty straightforward. It's pretty straightforward. Romans 5. If singular disobedience brought us into trouble, it has to logically follow that singular obedience will get us out. It's the simple logic. Why is it so hard? Kini, big D. Why is it so hard? It's pretty straightforward. Who got us into this mess? One man. Who gets us out of this mess? Romans 5. How did he fulfill the law? By his singular act of obedience. Canceling out Adam's singular act of disobedience. Yes, sir. Which brought sin on all of us. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. From verse 12. Therefore, just as, how many men sin? Through one man, sin entered the world. And death through sin. And thus, death spread to all men because easy, easy. Through one man, sin entered the world. And that sin brought death. And that death then spread to all men because all men sinned. How did all men sin? Because one man sinned. That's original sin. Imputed sin. One man ushered sin into the world. That sin that was ushered into the world brought death. And that death spread to all men. Because all men sinned in the one man that sinned. Is that clear? Next verse. 13. A very interesting verse. 13. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed where there is no law. The serpent, Satan, has been a liar from the beginning. And when we get into UTG series 3, and we start to Look at these things. Who is who is God? Who is this Jesus? We we'll also look at Satan and establish once and for all whether he started off as Lucifer. Because if he started off as Lucifer, it will mean that once upon a time Satan was good. Then like your ex, he became bad. And you all broke up. And he went rogue. But 
But Jesus is speaking in John 8, 44. Jesus is speaking. Who's speaking? Je Jesus is speaking. And he says that um, you are of your father. Not you, what about the house? And, and Jesus says to them, them, them. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. Jesus says he was a murderer from the beginning. And does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. It doesn't even end there. He says when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. He's a father, he's a liar and father of all liars. He's the father of sin. Genesis 3, no, verse 1. Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. First of all, this being was made. And he was made as he was being described. Now there, there, there are, there are, there are nuances I don't want to get into. You know, for for sake of time and 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 all. But yeah. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. The word beast or the word translated beast of the field is actually, it's almost a mistranslation because the word in the Hebrew is the word chaya. And it means it, it can mean a living thing. A living being also used to refer to animals. But basically, it, it more accurately put, living beings that are not exactly human. Hence, wild animal or living being. Chaya. Serpent, therefore. Okay, let's go to Revelation. Chapter 20, verse 1 and 2. Where, where did we just journey to Revelation from? Genesis, right? 3 1. Serpent, calling any beast of the field, right? Yes. Text only. This is crucial. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. Angel coming down from heaven. Verse 2. He laid hold of the dragon that wants to go. Shh. Who is? And stop. Serpent of old. Serpent. This is Revelation. Of old. Genesis 3 1. So now, Revelation 20 says the dragon. Same difference. Who is Satan, the devil? Serpent of old. When Revelation 20 says serpent of old, it, it says that on the premise 
that you're supposed to have had enough sense to understand the serpent of old. Old is referring to the Garden of Eden. When he's mentioned in the Garden of Eden, he's mentioned as now. The serpent was more cunning than any other being the Lord God made. If you looked at serpent as literal, you miss both Genesis and Revelation. Because the serpent in Revelation is not literal. Excuse me. Excuse me. Please. Excuse me. Have you seen a serpent before? Snake. This next question is going to be funny. But there's answers. Have you seen a dragon before? I have. In a few movies. <laughs> How to train your dragon. So now I ask again. How many of you have seen a dragon before? Question. Is a snake a dragon? On thy belly shall thou go. A dragon, however, doesn't go on its belly. I don't want to go into UTG stuff. But if Satan is a serpent, he cannot be a dragon. If he's a dragon, he cannot be a serpent. But he is serpent and dragon. That means you must think in terms of qualities. Not in terms of graphics. You must think in terms of qualities. Not in terms of graphics. This is why people themselves struggle. Gospel teachers themselves struggle with the description of Jesus as the lamb and as the lion. Even gospel preachers say, don't call Jesus the lamb. He's not a lamb. He's a man. He's not a lamb. Oh, duh. Because behold the lamb of God was not saying behold the goat that a mare gave birth to. Come on. You think we don't know that? You hear what I said? Behold the goat that a mare gave birth to. <laughs> no, we know any right thinking person knows that John did not see a goat when he saw Jesus. Oh. He saw Jesus. Therefore, lamb is descriptive. He's talking about the quality of the sacrifice. The nature of the sacrifice. It's the same principle that enables you to understand that the Holy Spirit is not a dove and a dove is not a holy bed. And a bat deserves to live. 
Das du aus. Ein Vultures. Ein Katz. So what Satan, the devil, is serpent and dragon think in terms of quality. Say, so how can you? When I start to try and explain, okay, God did not mean, they did not mean to write that this. They meant to say that dragon looks like snake. Snake now come and look like dragon because they, 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 they are descriptive. Yes, I will deal with that. On the belly shall thou go. What did it mean? But the serpent shows up in Genesis 3. And Jesus, who is the only one present at the beginning, said Satan has been a murderer from the beginning. Uh, Hear ye him. If anybody can testify of the beginning, it is he who was in the beginning with God. All things excludes none. All things were made by him. Without him. was nothing made that was made. They bowed down and worshipped the lamb slain from the beginning. Hold on. John lifted up his eyes and saw him and said, Behold the lamb of God who takes away the what? So the lamb came to take away what? This lamb was slain from the foundation to deal with what? Sin. Where was sin? Sin ought to therefore have been embedded in the beginning somewhere. slain from the beginning all things were made by him serpent was more cunning than other beings that were made without him was nothing made that was made and the angel came to take Satan the devil the serpent and dragon of old old telling us in Genesis 3 now the serpent you can't read Genesis 3, capture the fall of man, and ignore the ministry of the serpent. And what was the ministry of the serpent? To ensure that sin was present in the beginning. If God's salvation plan is a redemption plan, then he must have had something waiting to go wrong what is he repairing? Yes, sir. 
Serpent was more cunning. Jesus said, that serpent, John 8, 44, right? Yes. Satan. Who is Satan? The serpent. Yes, Who is the serpent? The dragon. Yes, Who is the dragon? Devil. <laughs> Who is devil? The serpent. Hey, God asked Eliam God asked Job, can you bind Leviathan? And that's what you see happening in Revelation 20. So sin was in the beginning. Go back to Romans 5.13. I, I, I did all this to show you Romans 5.13. That's where we were. For until the law. Sin was in the world. Where? In who? As who? Where? Sin was in the world. But sin was inactive until the law. A big bomb without a detonator. No detonator. So sin is there but can't go off. So to kickstart failure or fall, to kickstart restoration, we need to create a trigger. And right there in the garden, God put a trigger, thou shalt not. Eat every tree. Thou shalt not eat this tree. Genesis 3, verse 2. For until the law, sin was there, but could not be imputed. Go back to verse 1. See the trigger. Verse 1, verse 1. Serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And the serpent said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat anything? The serpent was there, could not act. And we have a lamb we have already slain from the beginning on the foundation of the world. exactly what God said. You know what God said was, you shall not eat of this tree. No, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Ah, ah, and sin arose and I died. Next verse. Then the serpent said to the man, you will not surely die. In other words, what they say you should not eat is what you are supposed to eat. 
for I will not for I will not have known covetousness. If a law was not given, are you seeing the gospel in Genesis? But sin taking occasion of the law. Because you are asking me, Pab, how do you see these things? How did Paul see it? He, Paul read Genesis to Malachi. The scriptures Paul had was Genesis to Malachi. So me, Alexander Victor, what Paul saw, now I have advantage over Paul. Before you stone me, hear my reason. Paul had Genesis to Malachi. Pav has Paul, Genesis and Malachi. I have 13 letters of Paul who had Genesis to Malachi. So I'm a dangerous person. Tell your neighbor, I'm a dangerous person. Because you are. You like this, you with the word of God. You with the word of God and the spirit of God. You plus Paul's letters, plus the scriptures, plus the Holy Spirit, plus the pastor you have. At this your age. Genesis 3. You shall not surely die. Go on. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Next verse was when she saw. Tree has been dead. It never looked good for food. Because sin was around, but sin was dead. Sin was powerless. But once the law was given, whoop, he woke up. Ah! Come on. It's like as if. We can eat this tree. She saw it was tree was good for food. And that it was pleasant to the eyes. And a tree suddenly desirable to make one wise. And she, she, that picture you see on of a serpent called around a tree handing over a fruit is ungodly. ungodly all he had to do was instigate and she put it text back up she took of its fruit and ate she also gave to her husband with her and he ate next verse and the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves 
coverings. Remember the fig tree? Next verse. I don't have time. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The law had done his job. Sin that was present was now active. See, listen to me. Creation is not something that God created and now spoiled. What kind of God will he make him? And this is why people keep insulting us in the faith. Insulting and dragging our Christianity like our God doesn't have any sense. And pagans denigrate us. Atheists insult us. What kind of God is he? Things can just spoil. Angel can just wake up and become devil. Why can't angels then give the law? Because it shows a very weak God. Shows a very weak God. He's just there on the throne. Doing what? And coups are happening in heaven willy-nilly. Angels are feeling like God and enslaving God's people. And God's like, yeah, 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 it's all right. We're all celestial beings. It's okay. <laughs> so we insult the character of God. Without him was nothing made that was made. Was the serpent made? Genesis 3 makes it clear. The serpent was he referring to a snake. Revelation 20 makes it clear. We're not trying to say I think that. You know, my opinion is the way I'm looking at it, it looks like critically, it looks like it. No, no, no. Scripture is clear. <laughs> he led all of the dragon that serpent of old who is the devil and Satan <laughs> serpent of old so serpent of Genesis 3 is more than a snake who taught him how to do his job who taught him who, in, who gave him cunning who gave him cunning in the beginning that he should use the cunning and do what Genesis 3.1 put up NLT or something NLT or mess Genesis 3.1 let's look at it first before we continue where Romans 5.0 the serpent was clever, more clever than any wild animal. First of all, if you look at English in terms of biology today, you not call a snake a wild animal. You'd have to get really pedantic, really, really pedantic. What particular species of snake would be considered a wild animal? Blah, blah, blah. The wildlife is just a lot. But again, this is us trying to understand that word chaya. That word. Living being, beast, wild animal. 
serpent. Eh, it's a snake. That's figures. Allegories. But put it back up. He spoke to the woman, do I understand that God told you not to eat from any tree in the garden? And she's like, not at all. Stay in verse 1, give me NLT. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals. You see, this is why, ah, Holy Spirit, this is why people look at you and go, so snake was talking. No, don't get me wrong. Is it possible? Oh, yes, God. With, all, with God, all things are possible. But if you're describing animals, you'll not be using words like shrewdness. Clever. Cunning. And there are scenarios where you could use some of them words, but there'll be basically there'll be more straightforward ways to describe animal. Sin was in the world, but was not activated until the Lord. God created creation. Satan took his range, put sin into it. God now starts to repair what Satan messed up. This is why Christianity over centuries has believed that your salvation, Satan can spoil it. Because they've always seen Satan as somebody that can spoil what God did. Does this make sense? If Satan can spoil creation, is it your salvation you cannot spoil? Your small, your small salvation. Well, Satan can spoil salvation because he's been spoiling God from the beginning. That's why, according to Christianity, the two bloodiest enemies are God and Satan. Creator and creature. Creature. But this is why Christianity cannot grasp the fact that your salvation is eternal. Because uh, uh, Satan is a powerful spoiler. He spoiled God's creation. Is it your salvation? Hold, hold it lightly. He's oh. been giving God grief from the beginning. So, and if you look at Satan like that, he's worth being afraid of. Oh, yeah. You, f- you should fear Satan more than God. Once you see Satan like that, Satan can spoil what the omniscient, omnipotent God made. It's Satan you should fear. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
And I will give you an answer now that answers a lot of questions. This is why we have Satan worshippers. Satanists. Satanists believe in God. They believe in God. But they don't believe he is as worthy of their devotion as Satan. Because Satan has a better track record of performance, of display of power, of will, of intellect, of cunning, of innovation, of creation, of a better reward system. Than your God. Why should we be afraid of your God who every time has clashed with Satan? Satan messes him up. Your God creates stuff, and our Satan gives him a hard time. If it's you, would you not choose Satan? So you have church of Satan. You have Satanists. Because if you look at it critically, Satan becomes more worthy of fear, of obeisance, of allegiance, of devotion than God. You mess God up, God will go back and gym. Get ready, rematch. And with all that God does, when God shows up, Satan can still mess him up again. And so you're walking around the universe, calling your God a mighty man of war because he's fighting Satan. Do you realize that is why Christianity refers to him as a man of war? Because God, God cannot claim to be at rest. God is always fighting. The kingdom of darkness versus the kingdom of light. It's a war. And somehow, a defeated foe cannot stay defeated. God has to keep fighting. After all, he's a man of war. Mighty man in battle. Always fighting. Never winning a decisive enough victory. Or God in his true, true omniscience. Omniscience. God's innate, intrinsic, inherent, effortless, Thoughtless ability to be the knowledge of all things. Not to know all things. Solomon knew all things. He acquired knowledge of all things. At his human level. Yes, studied ants, studied the way of a woman. He studied, he studied. Yes, he said to the 
end of studying, there's no end. So he died not having knew, known some things. So somebody who can know all things, Solomon. God's omniscience is that God is effortlessly and thoughtlessly the knowledge of all things. If he truly is omniscient, truly, not play, play. (laughs) If he's truly omniscient, not Corner, corner. If he truly is the knowledge of all things, if he truly is omniscient, is it too much to comprehend that he could have seen sin? Sin, sin. As an ingredient for his salvation. Why did the law need to bind you? Because I told you only bound people can be saved, can be freed. If it's, I'm coming to set free people that are bound, who should supply the binding? I ought to have seen that there's a need for a certain type of bondage that will trigger the liberty, the freedom, the salvation that I would bring. And if I am truly the knowledge of all things, if I am, then I would be responsible for that bondage. Yes. Now, he can leverage the existence of bondage. But that will not be him being omniscient in, in totality. It will be him being circumstantial. Taking advantage of what has happened. Does God do that? Yes. yes. But you see, God's salvation plan is older than any circumstance. Yes, That's the problem. Yes, That's the problem. The problem is God senior every circumstance. Yes, so you can't be saying God spent all eternity doing something, waiting for a circumstance to happen that he will leverage. Now the serpent was more cunning. Than every other being that God created. God created the serpent as the serpent and not as a dove. You get why? He created the serpent with cunning and positioned the serpent to show up to man. Right after he tells man what man should not do. The timing is impeccable. It's not coincidence. 
is incidence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you understand? It's not, it's not coincidence. This is incidence. It's not, it's not God partnering with the serpent. Okay, yeah, you're around here. Yeah, okay, yeah, just, you know, yeah, go, go on, go and do that thing. Serpent is position because you see, God had the authority. Number one, the, he had the foreknowledge to not create the serpent if he knew the serpent would become a trouble. I mean, you created everything. You knew that snake would give us problems. You still created snake. Ah, now. Think about it. So as you are creating, 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 you see the image and say, no! No snake. Snakes not allowed. Their cunning will bring problem. And then I will just keep man innocent. And sometimes people, again in the gospel, people argue that God created man righteous. I beg to slightly disagree. Because righteousness is a function of restoration to something. If, in, if Adam was innocent, he would have been neither sinful nor righteous. So he's created in the image of God. And the image of God is, God is, the image of God is Christ. Christ is the righteousness of God. So yes, in that sense, he's created righteous. But we see that righteousness is what is imputed to you. So in the, in the sense of the vitality of righteousness, Adam did not have it. Just like in the vitality of the blessing, Esau did not have it. Was he blessed somewhat? Yes. Did he prosper? Yes. In the vitality of the promise and the blessing, Ishmael did not have it. But God told Abraham, I will look after Ishmael. So there were elements of the blessing and the covenant God had with Abraham that rubbed off on Ishmael. If you don't understand, don't worry. That's, you know, slightly... Yeah. So if in the sense of the vitality of righteousness, you can't say Adam had the vitality in full of righteousness. He would have had a form of righteousness by virtue of being in God's image. In the same way as a regular human being unsaved now has a dimension of God's image. So sin is there. Sin's Sponsor is there. Created for the very purpose. You know, the serpent will not have even known that he's sinning. He's just doing his job description. <laughs> Did the serpent apply to be created? Apply to come with cunning? Did God say? Romans 5.13 are you getting anything? Yes, hmm. Romans 
But until the law, until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. So take away the law and sin dies. Mm. 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Adam is a type of him. Adam was not him who was to come. So could not really have the fullness of him who was to come, vitally speaking. Keep going. 15. But the free gift is not like the offense. Uh, now that I've established this. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man. Somebody say the one man. One man. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Abounded to many. Next verse. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. Who is the one who sinned? For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. Give us uh, NLT 16. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. 17. For the sin of this one man, Adam, cost death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this Somebody say this one man. Jesus Christ. Keep going. 18. Therefore, you can James. Okay, let's stay in NLT. It's all right. Yes, Adam's one sin. Adam's one sin. The next line is already there, giving itself away. Adam's one sin. Adam's one sin. A sinner is not one by many sins. <laughs> a sinner is made a sinner by one sin. So it couldn't have been your many sins that made you a sinner. Because many sins is the wrong recipe for determining somebody to be a sinner. Okay, help me. How else do I put this? If the qualification to be a sinner is one sin. If you have many sins, you cannot be said to be a successful sinner. Because the parameters, 
are different. The parameter for you to be a sinner is one sin. One sin of man. Not one sin of precious. Makes precious a sinner. One sin of vision makes vision a sinner. One sin of mankind is what makes mankind sinners. So it really didn't matter the next thing Adam did to disobey God. So as soon as Adam sinned, Cain received anointing for murder. Who taught him? Cain received envy. From where? I want to say. Lamech gets up and marries two wives. Who taught him? Who taught him? Nimrod gets up and the guys are Tower of Babel. All kinds of things begin to happen. Who taught people rebellion? One thing. So your sins don't count. Oh yes, yes, you heard me. I know, it's, I know it's scary. I know it's what they want to cut your head off out there in the city we live in. Your sins don't count! <laughs> Through one man's one sin. One man is important, but the one man is his sin, his original sin. One man's sin. King James says one man's offense. Put it up on the the screen again. Romans 5.18. When in NLT, right? Yes. Adam's one sin brings condemnation for Adam. As long as they are born of Adam. And the next line is there staring at you juicily and sweetly in the face. But Christ If it took one to perpetrate it, it takes one to cancel it. Let's finish. 19. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many have been made. Simple principle. Verse 20. I don't see how NLT puts verse 20. Verse 20. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more. Next verse. So that as sin reigned in death, as just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death. Now, God's wonderful grace rules instead. Giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus fulfilled the law by being the obedience God demanded on our behalf. 
Do you understand that? So God is not looking to your obedience for your salvation. So just as in the salvation plan your sins don't matter. Excuse me ma. In the salvation plan your obedience doesn't matter. In the kingdom culture agenda, your obedience is crucial. For the walking worthy of your calling in the earth. In the earth. In the earth. For the modeling, for being Christ on display in the earth. For retaining fellowship with the brethren in the earth. For following peace with all men in the earth. For being subject to governing authorities in the earth. But for salvation, for righteousness, there's nothing you can do. Nothing. Nothing. One man sinned, many became sinners. One man obeyed, many become righteous. It's not that difficult to comprehend. It's not. So Jesus, when Adam broke the law, how many people broke it? Are you sure? Because when Adam gave birth to you, you arrived a sinner. That means you arrived a natural, effortless lawbreaker. All they need to do is show you a law. You make it. <laughs> yeah. That's all. Why? Because your ancestors of old are lawbreakers. So you are usually you are doing okay until the law is given. Once the law is given, you wake up. Because naturally speaking, you're a lawbreaker. Nobody needs to teach you. And that is why it is there in biology. Nobody taught that child how to bite. Just hear a mother scream, ow, the child beats me. Child with no teeth is already biting. Why? Natural born lawbreaker. Are you still here? Yes, so when Adam sinned and broke the law, how many of us sinned and broke the law? So now Jesus comes and obeys the law and fulfills the law. And then he again gives birth to us again. So when Jesus fulfilled the law and kept the law, how many of us? Are you holding... Adam's sin, the penalty. Are you holding me responsible to pay for Adam's sin that Jesus had paid for? That Adam has died for? Because we are crucified with Christ. So in Christ, we paid for our sin. Christ paid, but as he was paying, he took us along. 
Some people don't understand it. It's okay. But who understood what I just said? That's why we were crucified with him. The soul that sinned, it shall. Auntie, I died. Jesus died for me, but he made sure he didn't die alone. I died with him. Jesus is righteous for mankind. Why are you expecting righteousness of me? Jesus is righteous for me. That's the legacy I've received. Just as Adam was a sinner for me. I didn't send him, of course. Do you understand? I was there nowhere. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? I, I was there nowhere. I was there not, not existing. I was there on my own, not having been formed. Adam took the prerogative to sin for all of us. Who did he consult with? Just woke up by himself. And decided to eat a fruit. That till today I don't know what it tastes like. And that's what's feeding me. Now if you ask me what fruits did my sister eat, I can't even answer that question. And all of us started to die on top fruit that we don't know. And that is God being just. And it's okay. Hold on. Now send somebody else. Again. We didn't ask him more. Again. He didn't consult us. Showed up. Said his name is Jesus. A virgin. Gave birth to him. Okay. What you come to do? Came to give his life as a ransom for many. Ransom. Okay. What should we do to him? Kill him. We don't know what he's doing. We don't, we don't know what this guy's after. Kill him. He's innocent of the charges. Hey, let his blood be on our head. Not just even us. Let it be on the head of us and our children. That was my grandfather speaking. See, you honestly don't, you're not very wise. If you believe that they did a blood sacrifice in your family tree that's affecting you. Your, your original ancestors have pleaded a superior blood. On top your head. Before your, before your village was created. 
Matthew 27, 24 and 25. This guy's you know, he's innocent. I'm absorbed of his blood though. Matthew 27, Matthew 20, 27 and 20. Thank you. 27 and 24. Yes, that's it. 27, 24. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude and said, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. Because this sacrifice had to be blameless. You see to it. Next verse. And all the people answered and said, His blood be upon us and our children. Because you see this blood. Hebrews 10 said, The blood that speaketh better things. So they were shouting, yes, yes, we will take the consequence. I am the consequence of the blood. Mm -hmm. Your real ancestors already invoked the only blood that matters. The divinations in your village are not strong enough. <laughs> I'm not strong enough. This senior blood. <laughs> Two thousand year old blood. You say they killed the blood of a fowl, put in a pot, and buried under a tree. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh come on eh? foul blood <laughs> even human blood hey and he died and his one obedience Guaranteed that all men who believe have obeyed. You see the father famous, I have obeyed him in full. I'm just going to spend the rest of my time on earth leaving it out. But my record in the annals of heaven is that I have fully Obey. Yes, fully. Somebody say, I have fully obeyed the Father. I have fully obeyed the Father. And therefore, and therefore the, Father the Father is fully pleased with me. Hey, through Christ Jesus our Lord. Through Christ Jesus our Lord. This is a good place to. I stand. Obedient. I stand fully in the sight of God, fully obedient. Fully. 
if Jesus cannot unobey, if he cannot take back or revoke his obedience, you cannot take back or revoke my salvation. If my salvation was a product of my effort, then it can be revoked by me, them, or anybody. But if my, if my salvation is hinged solely, exclusively, singularly, particularly, especially on the obedience of Jesus that had nothing to do with me, oh, then I'm chilling on my salvation. And the law has no room left in me. The law came and did his job. Enabled the serpent to manifest. So that sin might become exceedingly. This is the fulfilling of the law that Jesus came to do in Matthew 5.17. He came to fulfill the law by giving the law its requirements. Thou shalt not. He came and became the thou shalt not. Thou shalt. He came and became thou shalt. Because with the first thou shalt, Adam broke it. The first thou shalt not, Adam broke it. So Adam now comes to give to thou shalt the shalls and give to thou shalt not the shall not. And in doing that, he has brought about a new lineage of law-abiding citizens. And all this Jesus needs to do is to burn. No extra labor. Adam did not give birth and teach anybody how to sin because he had become a sinner. All Adam needed to do to multiply sin was to give birth to human beings. Who arrived? Sinners. All Jesus needs to do is give birth. And all that Jesus gives birth arrives righteous. Without needing to do anything about it. In that, the job of the law is fulfilled. And boy, did the Lord do such a fine job. And this will be the weirdest thing you have done since you became a member of World Abiding House. Celebrate the law. It's, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. The Lord did an arm. I mean, look at you. Look at you. you you wanted to cross here the Lord said my friend you you see his blood will be on your head shall you kill Jesus his blood and the Lord kept you in chains until delivered you to the only person who could save you and church tried to get the law 
to deliver you. The Lord refused. Did you realize you found grace because the Lord refused to be grace? Church tried to use the law to do what only grace can do. The law said no. You know how the law was saying no? Every time the church tells you don't do this, the law will ensure you do it. So that both you and the church can know that law is not grace. Because the law doesn't teach you to flee ungodly laws. It is grace that teaches you. The grace, Titus 2.11, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all teaching, teaching, next slide, has appeared to all men, teach, what does grace teach us to do? Denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. What teach, who teach, what teach, who? Can teach that. So if I just talk in grace, anyhow, license the person is saying that needs to be washed. Yes, to be washed. Needs to be washed. This is what they are accusing you of. It's because now your own show. If we open the email of your accusers, if we publish their chats and all their conversations, thank grace, grace. It is grace that teaches away nonsense. It's grace. It's grace. Don't blame the mess in the world on grace. Do you need grace to be sinful? Is the law? Is the law? The law? Is the law? Every is the law. Don't blame your mess on grace. People wear long dress and still sleep with people. Cover your hair. Three yards of material. Your heart is dirtier than the Calabar River. I know what I'm saying. Dirty heart. Long skirt. Dirty mouth. Title in church. Beast in the office. And that's the same person that will attack your WhatsApp status and say, You grace people. You that don't like grace, how have you fared? I'm better off because at least where I am. I am messing up, but grace is teaching me. You, where you are, you don't even have what to teach you. You can never be better. Because only under the power of the grace of God can a man be better. Only under the power of the grace of God can a man be better. Cannot better yourself. Definitely the law cannot better you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Cannot. 
So no, we don't apologize for yes, the grace sir. of God. We fall, we fell inside yes. grace. Grace is teaching us yes, to flee. We stumble inside grace. It's teaching us to flee. We are weak inside grace. It is teaching us to flee. No, it's always better. You will like this line under the canopy. Yes, sir. It is always better. You will like this next line under the banner of God's grace. Fulfill God's mission for your life in the grace of God mission. You can only find your place in the place of His grace. Only. Only grace can better a man. For what the Lord could not do in that he was weakened in the flesh. So you grace people, that's us. That's us. Are you now saying, we have said what we are saying. We have said what we are saying. The law has done its job. Yes, the law never promised to be able to make you better. Yes, even if you successfully kept it. Yes, and I've taught you here over and over, the law was not designed, and this is where I close for today, I've not finished the series. The law was not given for people to keep. Yes, sir. When the first law was given, it was one man. God has never considered the law in terms of people. Let's consider the law in terms of a man. The law, that's why one man broke it. And one man fulfilled it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. One man. Not people. So the law has never been for people to keep. It's for one person to keep on their behalf. On their account. And next week I will show you what then is the fate of the law. Now that its purpose has been achieved. Yeah. Let the law go and rest in peace. You too, can you not see that the law is tired? 2022 years since Jesus fulfilled the work of the law. Jesus is resting. You refuse the law to rest. Is, the, is it fair? That's a very long time, isn't it? And you have, the law has failed you every single time since you started trying to use it to do what it cannot do. Allow the law can you imagine somebody whose obituary we published 2022 years ago they have not buried it 
Colossians 2 14. We published the obituary since. Look at the obituary now. One, two, go. Everybody read. Do you see any indication that the law resurrected with us? There were instructions given for how a dead person should be buried. A dead person, especially in Jewish culture, should be covered with a linen tunic, a cloth, a burial cloth. And wrapped. And then eventually embalmed. And Jesus was buried according to Jewish custom. Yes, sir. Yes. According to the law of Moses. Yes, sir. But he was wrapped yes. in linen yes, sir. as the law demanded. Yes, sir. The women ran into the tomb. They saw that Jesus resurrected. The clothes he was buried with were folded nicely in the corner. Do you remember reading that in your Bible? The linen clothes that he was buried in, as the law stipulated, were nicely folded and kept in the corner. The Jesus that resurrected did not need conformity to the law. And he was not naked. Clothes were there. He arose, left what they buried him there, and was clothed in glory, in righteousness, in splendor. Things the requirement of the law cannot supply. So see your clothes there. The Lord died on the cross. What is He doing in our churches? Give the Lord a break. I don't want to sound insensitive. When some things, some things can only be said the way they have to be said. So someone is dead, and to make yourself feel better, you say, "Oh, this person lives on." No, they, they're dead. They don't live on. They're dead. Until they are giving new life. That's different from living on. You died. This life is terminated. You are dead. And I understand that sometimes we say these things to console ourselves and comfort ourselves and say, she lives on. That's why you start dreaming dreams and they start appearing to you. You say they live on. 
Nobody who dies lives on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's why Hezekiah, I told you the example of Hezekiah. He said, the dead do not praise you. Yes. Yes. Neither they that go down in silence. He made his case for life because death is death. You are sleeping. You don't live on until until you are giving fresh life. But see, these are the sentiments that we bring into church. These are the sentiments that have equipped the law to live on, though it be dead. You know, same sentiment. The law lives on, though dead. No, the law is dead. Dead, dead. Nailed to the cross. It's not Pav that is saying it. We'll sit down on Sunday and start to look at where the law has ended. Yeah, it is on the shelf of eternity's past record. Eternity's past record. That shelf. That's where the law is. So when we go to the law, we have. Yeah, there's this thing that we are in this covenant. There's this thing about this thing, this new covenant, that they said in that record. Oh, let's see. Yeah, this is what was that. It's where you go to reference what now is. Then you can now allow it be there and be okay. Do you understand? The library doesn't thank you for showing up there. You go up there when you're looking to reference something. You're writing something. You need to reference something. For what retired the law? The grace of God in Christ Jesus. Please give him praise. Well, that's it for today's teaching. We trust it has been worth your time. For more of these messages from our stables, kindly subscribe to our teaching podcast at www.thebasileacommission.podbean.com or via the Podbean app on your mobile device. For inquiries and further information, kindly send us an email to info at thebasileacommission.org or find us on social media with the handles at the truth simply put or at whilethechurch. You can also send us an SMS, call us, or connect with us via WhatsApp on plus 234-70-881-8864. Finally, if you would like to give to support the work that we do, kindly follow the Patreon link in our podcast or contact our office for details. Thank you.